Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. It's been a busy one. I always love the newcomer Sundays because we get to do our steps, like get all those steps in. Dwayne and I, we like run out this way, go out this way. This time we came back and we're like, how do we get back into the door? Uh, we're still new. We are a newcomer who welcomes those who are newcomers at our, at our uh, whatever quarterly meeting that we're having. And it's so great uh, to get to know people in, in just such a special way. Uh, if you are new and you maybe didn't have the courage to go today to that newcomer's time, uh, feel free to come up and meet, meet me or meet one of the staff members and introduce yourself. We would love to get to know you and your family. And you are, are welcome at Calvary. Amen? Why don't you turn to someone and say, you're welcome here. You're welcome here this morning. Well, we are in a series together as a church family called One Calvary. And we're talking about the fact that we are one as a church, but we're also part of one of the body of Christ, one within the body of Christ. We are an expression of the body of Christ. The body of Christ are those who are, those who call on the name of Jesus, who believe in Jesus, and who are called together to worship him and to serve him as the church, what we know as the church. And so we've been talking about a theme verse, and that we're going to put up here again from last week. It's Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6, and I thought we'd read the bold together. We've done that once already this morning, so this is a treat today. Twice in one week, we're going to read this together as a church family, our theme for this series called One Calvary. It says, Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And it continues, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We talked about the beginning of this scripture, saying that we have a divine call, an invitation to follow Christ, and we respond as a body and as individuals out of a gratitude in our heart for what God has done. This is the commonality that binds us all together, doesn't it? It unifies us, amen? I like what a professor at our esteemed Bible college said in his book. How many Bible college students do we have here today? A few over here, all right. And how many graduates do we have from a Bible college or perhaps master's or EPPC around here today? Great. Well, this uh, Bible color professor is a great friend of mine, Luch Lombardi, and he says in his book, A New Humanity, A Walk Through the Letter of Ephesians, he says this, the play on the root word call in the first verse gives force to Paul's exhortation to readers to live in a way that reflects the true story which God has revealed to us in which we are participants with him. 
In that story, God is creating one new humanity in Christ. And in that humanity, humanity, we are to live in loving relationship with God, the Father and Son and Spirit, and with one another. Now, I'll tell you, this one another thing is really important to me. In fact, I have always loved the body of Christ. There's a picture in my baby book, and yesterday we were looking through some baby books of the kids as we were putting them away and putting in new storage in our new house. But uh, there's this baby, this little picture of me when I was a preschooler, and it said, Michelle loves going to church, and I have always loved the body of Christ. I love to rub shoulders with each other. I love to be able to see people. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask the guys at the back, can you turn up the house lights a little bit this morning? Is that a possibility? Because I actually like to see the body of Christ when I preach. It's not a show, is it? It's actually an opportunity for us to connect with one another. And so I, I really either need that up or this down on me, if that's possible. For those of you who were here last week, you know that we had this uh, a great fun moment where I was messing with my bifocals as I confess publicly before the congregation, and, uh, and we were having some trouble with the lighting, so I'm just going to ask if they could do that in the next few minutes so that I can, that would help me out a whole lot. Thank you. But there's this idea that God is creating this one humanity, and we're in loving relationship with one another. That's better. Thank you. And we are able to do this, and we're able to represent Christ as a body together. And like the New Testament church, we all need reminders of the value of unity and togetherness in the body of believers. And so God, through his inspiring those who wrote his word and those who are inspired by him, And himself, he depicts this desire for the church of who they would be and how they would function. So last week, we talked about the body of Christ. We talked about how there's many parts. One body, but many parts. And let me remind you again today that we need one another. We must connect with one another. We must work together with one another. And so there's this reason why we are have been promoting these meetups. How many people have signed up for meetups? I'm telling you, day two, we had 75 people, 75 different people signed up for meetups. If you haven't done that, you want to do that in the next two weeks. But the meetups are an opportunity for people to get together. We must also care for one another. There's this part of the scripture that we didn't read last week from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but it's in verse 26. It says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. There's this need to care within the body of Christ for one another as well. And so included in those meetups is the divorce care, as well as grief share, these wonderful opportunities for people who are going through difficult times and when they need extra care from the body of Christ, this is a chance for you to connect with others who may be on a similar journey as you are. And so I want to encourage you in the middle of all of this discussion on scriptures that it can be practically played out within our congregation, our church family. I'm so glad we are part of a church who is open to being reminded of the importance as functioning as one Calvary here together as the body of Christ.
Well, there's lots going on in our church, and in case you didn't hear it yet, let me remind you that next week we are saying farewell to our youth pastors, Pastor John Mark and Pastor Natalie, and uh, it's going to be really bittersweet time, bitter because we are saying goodbye, sweet because we're having cupcakes to celebrate them and all their journey, but we want to connect with them and bless them, so make sure if you're, if you're going to give them a card or some, bless them with something in the card, bring that next week. We'll have a box for you for that. Youth are collecting uh, some gifts and items together for, to bless their pastor, but please make sure you take the time to say thank you to this part of the body, Pastor John Mark and Pastor Natalie, for how much they've blessed you. Can you say thank you even right now for all they've been doing? We love them so dearly, and and we're working with our leaders to prepare a plan that's going to be wonderful and God-ordained and planned ahead of time so that your children and your youth are able to be cared for well in this next season. Uh, We also have some other fun stuff happening with the staff, and this is not to take away from the message. This is actually as my illustration for the message, which is that we have Cameron and his fiance, Brianna, getting married in November. Come on, give it up for Cameron and Brie. And getting married, how many people can say that can be a very stressful time in your life, right? But they're handling it with much grace, and uh, weddings have all sorts of add-ons to it, like wedding showers, and meetings with caterers, and dress shopping, and tuxedo fittings, and uh, there's groomsmen and bridesmen parties, and, and they are getting, getting, away, getting away for the big weekend, and all those, uh, the big day, and, and so uh, I thought I could use their help today. So instead of embarrassing the bride, why don't we call up Cameron to the front? Come on. As I affectionately called him Pastor Cameron. All right, come on up, Cameron. So if you've ever been a part of um, a part of a wedding party, uh, you know that there's usually a couple of teams at play, and one is team groom and the other is team bride. So you can put, do you know how to wear these? No. That's good that you said no. Okay, put it over there. Over one shoulder, yeah, like this. Okay. Sure. Looks great. <laughs> now we thought we'd put Cameron Bree in the team bride category. Why? Because, well, everyone knows the bride is the most important on that day, right? The team, team bride. So team bride, this is the kind of thing that happens when... Um, People are on the, in the bridesmaid party, and they want to get together and celebrate and, and, and encourage one another. So Cameron, I thought, just for fun, you could go find some other team bride to join you on the stage. Do you think you could do that? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. He's going to come. He's going to bring them up here. You see, and I'm going to tell you a story while he does that. Um, so when we lived in Niagara on the lake, there were lots of wineries, lots of beautiful places to have dinner, um, and so there were always wedding parties that were getting together on the weekend to celebrate and get ready for the, the wedding. And so, Cameron, don't think too hard. Just keep giving them out. Yep. Okay. He's calculating. He's counting the cost as he does this, right? Uh, he's our account manager, in case you don't know, at the church, but... 
Um, he's doing a great job. And so in Niagara-on-the-Lake, we, uh, we would have these seasons when it got really busy in town. And we'd see bridal parties who would be coming into in, to town, and they would all rent these bicycles with little baskets on it. You've probably seen them when you went to visit before. But they would ride their bicycles, and they'd wear, like, team bride sashes. And sometimes they'd have a little veil on the bride, and they'd be riding their bike. And you could tell they were, they were there for a purpose that was to have a celebration um, because they were... Uh, they were not dressed as one who should be riding a bike. You know what I mean? <laughs> Way too fancy. And they're usually smiling from ear to ear, and depending on how many uh, spots or wineries they'd stopped along the way, they'd be riding in a semi-straight line, right down the vineyard roads or villages, streets, as a, as a team. And, and that would be enough to recognize them. Just the fact that they were wearing these things. Oh, the idea, Cameron, was that they're supposed to come up on the stage. Oh. Minor detail. Come on up, team bride. Give them a big hand. <laughs> team bride, look at you. These are all the supporters of team bride. Way to go, Bree. Did you know you had so many great supporters on your wedding day? Here they are. Come on. Stand up here. I don't want to be up alone in the spotlight here. Come on up here. Here we go. All right, these people are on Team Bride. Did you think you'd be on Team Bride? No. no. I'm sure these guys up here, they would also wear uh, the sash that would say, <laughs> look, this is awesome, <laughs> that would say Team Groom as well because, I mean, you all love Cameron, right? You're all supportive of Cameron. That's why you're getting up here and doing this. But team bride, sometimes uh, we're a little shy to wear the team bride when it comes to the body of Christ. If the body of Christ is referred to as the bride of Christ, have you ever felt a little shy to acknowledge you're on team bride, a part of the church, part of the greater body of church and what it represents? Would you give these guys a great big hand one more time? Thanks for being on team bride. To see you this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> it's all good. And so the Bible does give this example of team bride, and this is the tension that we're, we're hoping to solve today a little bit of uh, how and why we should be on the, the team bride. Of course, we know that when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are part of team groom. Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom because he's the one who's waiting for his bride, who, will, who has redeemed his bride. And, and so we're easily persuaded to say, yeah, I'm on team Jesus. But team bride, why is she so important? Why is the bride of Christ so important? So I thought I'd pull some scriptures today. Some scriptures you've heard a few times used for different reasons to be able to tell us how we respond to one another uh, within the body, within our families and households. But the, ultimately, the scriptures are trying to explain to us God's relationship with us and then his relationship, how he wants us to play that out with each other. So here we go, Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 32. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church 
and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Verse 32 says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is a reference to our our commitment to one another in relationship, but Paul is also teaching them about what it means to be the bride of Christ. Paul says these bold words to the Corinthians. He says, uh, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. I'm grateful for putting up with me in a little foolishness today too. But he says, yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you, Paul says to Corinthians, to the Corinthians. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You know, some of the most exciting imagery in scripture comes from uh, John's revelation while he, he was in the spirit at Patmos and he, regarding the return of Christ. And he says this, Revelations 19, 6, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. Picture this together. Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us re- rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. And then the angel said to me, verse 9, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Powerful imagery given in order that we can get a better picture of how we're viewed by Christ. So what can we learn about the bride of Christ through this imagery? The first thing I want us to learn, and it's something that's simple but easy to forget, is that God loves the bride deeply. He loves her deeply. Scriptures explains it as an agape love. It's a sacrificial love. When Ephesians, when he's saying how to love your, your wife, he's saying to love her with agape love, with this pure love, this sacrificial, selfless love. It involves a choice to give of oneself for the greater good of another. And when Christ died on the cross, it was with that same kind of love that he died for you and I. 
I mean, we've, we've learned uh, this as little children, and, and my prayer is that it continues to be passed on from one generation to the other, but it's the simple truth that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, don't forget verse 17 that says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's the heart of the Father. Of course, people still have a choice to whether to receive that love or not, don't they? In biblical times, there was a reason Paul was giving instruction about how to agape love one another. Because marriage happened then and still for some today was simply for self-serving reasons. Husbands were encouraged to love their wives because to some, they were just a piece of property for which a price was paid. In ancient Jewish tradition, marriage wasn't a contract between two individuals, but more like a contract between two families. The morhar was originally the purchase price of the bride, paid to the bride's father for the value of his daughter to compensate for this, to compensate for what would be missing if she was no longer in his household. She would care for meals or be helping around with the chores. And to, the price was put on her based on what her value was to the family. What I learned this week and found very interesting, interesting was that a Jewish father was considered a good father if he gave all or at least a portion of the mora or morhar, excuse me, which would later become more of a symbolic gift to families, but at the time it was this price, and he was a good father if he gave it all back to his daughter on her wedding day, which would then go into the matrimonial household and, and ultimately benefit the husband again, doesn't it? <laughs> but either way, back to this daughter of the bride imagery, uh, she would be given this gift from her father, showing that there wasn't just a price tag, but there was a relationship in love. Here's the power of the bride imagery. It's the fact that not only does God love in the way that each of us should love our spouses, but he doesn't view you as simply property. You're not just a number. He doesn't view you as just a commodity to be moved around as needed in the body in order so that it goes well. He loves you. He values you. And in fact, he did pay a price for you, didn't he? He gave the price of his only life, the price that was very high. I believe it's important to grasp how truly loved you are as the bride of Christ. My spirit feels a little bit grieved all of a sudden. Like I should maybe just stop for just a moment. Bride of Christ, do you realize how valuable you are to Jesus? He's team bride all the way. You notice Cameron didn't hesitate to get up here to wear a sash that said he was for the bride. <laughs> it wasn't under obligation. It wasn't 
well, maybe it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't under persuasion. Well, maybe it was, but ultimately he wore it with pride because the bride is his bride to be. It's important for us as a body of believers to grasp how truly loved you are as the body of Christ and as the bride of Christ. You know, I remember this time when I, it was a time, it was the time when I became a parent for the first time. Now, Hope is with us today, back from college. Yay, Hope. <laughs> Our oldest daughter has been away at school, and uh, so she's home for the weekend, which has just made, oh, I said someone, just the, hearing laughter between siblings is just a gift again, right, in our house for the weekend at least. And, and, uh, but I remember the day when she was born, and I remember holding her, and I remember being alone with her in our, my hospital room, recovering, and I remember crying because for the first time I realized how much my mother loved me. I, I don't, I, I think it was a gift. I don't think everyone feels that exact same thing. I, I don't think you have to have a baby in order to experience what that means. I think God can reveal to you in a moment how much you are loved through all sorts of ways. But in that moment, God revealed to me that I loved my daughter so much, I couldn't imagine anyone loving her more. And that's how my mother loved me, but more than that, he quickly showed me that's how much I value you. I love you. You are a child of God, and, and we're gonna talk about the family of God next week. But it's important to grasp how much we are truly loved and I would have done anything to protect that child in that moment, to make sure that she was nourished, to be with that child, make sure she knew she was loved. And I love in the same letter to the Ephesians, Paul also says this, verse three, starting in, in uh, chapter three, verse 17, it says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people, see that, that community piece again, all the Lord's people to grasp how Wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Man, that, that scripture, it would pack a punch. Paul said, I wish that he must have had a glimpse. He did have many about what God's feelings were, what Jesus felt about the bride, about the body of believers. It's why he put together this imagery inspired by the word of God, or by the, the word, the, the one, Jesus, inspired by Holy Spirit. And he says, my prayer is this, that you would be rooted and established in love and you'd have the power to grasp just how much you are loved. The bride of Christ collectively is deeply loved. And if God loves her that much, how much should we love her as well? The body of Christ, the bride of Christ. If God love her, loves her, then how much more should we be team bride?
Secondly, why is it important that we honor and, and learn from this imagery, the bride of Christ and that symbolism? The reason is because the church belongs to the bridegroom. The church belongs to the bridegroom. I love this other cross-reference in John when the, John the Baptist, he's talking with his disciples. And in case you didn't know, John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins, which is kind of cool. And so they would have grown up together a certain amount and they would know of each other. And, and there's this part where John's disciples come to John and say to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, uh, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. And to this John replies, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride, he says, belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it's now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. Interesting dialogue from one cousin about another. But John knew from early on that he was placed to prepare the way for the Lord. He understood his role and he understood the value of those who would call on Jesus, the Messiah, and be saved. And he refers to them as the bride. Being a friend of the bridegroom looks like rejoicing when we hear the groom's voice, especially in what he says to the bride. This is, why am I saying that today? I'm saying it because there's this idea that we are excited to hear from God as people. We are excited in our own personal silos often enough to be able to hear from God and what God's saying through his word. And we think that, that is, that's enough, that's enough. But last week we talked about this importance that we, each, we need each other. We need the hands, we need the feet, we need the baby toes, we need every part of the body, the eyes, the ears. We need one another, don't we? But I want to encourage us today. I want to maybe challenge us that when it comes to what Christ is saying, what the Spirit is saying to his church as a whole should be very valuable to us as well. John says, I'm, I'm excited because God is doing something. It's bigger than just my ministry. It's bigger than just my, what I'm doing on a daily basis or my walk with God. God is doing something that is changing the atmosphere, that is changing what is happening in real time in John's life right here. And he says, I rejoice. I'm the friend who attends the bridegroom, who, who is like one of the groomsmen. And he says, I wait and I listen for him and it's joy to hear him talk about the bride. It's a joy to see him coming together with his bride. That joy is mine and it's now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. And I wanna to say to you today that perhaps, perhaps God is saying to you today 
that your perspective could use a little influence from the greater body of Christ. And what God is saying to the church as a whole here at Calvary, in our region, in our country, across the world, that it would be good to have ears to hear. I mean, isn't that what the scripture says? Isn't that what Revelation said repeatedly? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to who? To John or... I don't want to say any names in case someone says, oh, she's talking about me. There's John's here, I know for sure, but John or Susie on a Tuesday morning. He who hears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The bride of Christ, the individual expressions of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. What the Spirit is saying to the churches as the bride of Christ is ever so important, a responsibility. And when we overstep in how we speak to God's church as leaders or as teachers or as stewards of the word, when we overstep and say, I know what's best for the body of Christ, and we don't take it back to what he has been saying about the bride of Christ all these years, what he's been saying about the body of the Christ and how it should function, if we overstep and we put our opinion over onto the scriptures, then we may be walking on slippery ground. It's a word of caution to us. May we hear his voice and act and move as one when, we guide, or when, we, when he guides us in our steps as a church. And I believe, and I've been saying it from day one, that God is doing something in this church that's amazing. He is moving things. He is shifting things. He is planning for our future even as we speak. And may I exhort us once more that we would hear his voice and practice now what it means to act and move and be led by the Spirit as one. It's just a posture of the heart. It's a posture of the heart. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. He loves her very much. And thirdly, lastly, the bride must make herself ready. Make herself ready. I mean, Jesus told this parable, and he was talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he said the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 25, will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Obviously, really cultural imagery that's being placed here for his, his listeners. And he says, five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. And the foolish one took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. And the wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. It's about being ready. I said to it a couple weeks ago about readiness in this day and age is make sure your phone is charged. So it's like they took their phone but forgot their chargers. You know, that's kind of the imagery that's here. Five were foolish, five were wise. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. I just think that's interesting. Even the, ready, the wise and ready ones and the fools, they all got tired of waiting. And they fell asleep. But the wise ones were still prepared for the bridegroom's arrival. 
And what makes a bride or a groom so meticulous about the details of their wedding day? It's their excitement. It's the anticipation and the longing for that big day. And so it should be with the bride of Christ waiting for his return. Christ said he will return for his church. We hear in the scriptures what that may look like all through revelations and thankfully we're not here all day to go through that. But the Bible says that when John, who was inspired to write the words in revelations, the imagery, he says when he saw the glory of the bride of Christ, he fell down. Not once, but twice. She was so beautiful. She was so ready for him to come and take her home. And how does the bride make herself ready? Well, I believe she watches and prays. Like those women who had the lamps ready with the oil. She keeps herself pure and holy, consecrated. She invites others to the table because after all, it's, it's the celebration she's a part of. She prepares herself to meet her groom. In Revelation, they had talked about those white fine linens were the acts of righteousness. Your, acts, your actions actually matter. And with eager expectation, she waits in all her beauty, even in all her flaws, To him, the groom, she's flawless, and he loves her. Why? Because he redeemed her. He's chosen her. And I like what Daniel Lim writes. He says, it was not just the angel in Revelation 19 that compelled John to worship. He said, I personally believe the glory of the bride elicited John's worship. She is now like the image of the Son of God. Listen to this wording, who is the fullness of God. She is now like the image of the Son of God who is the fullness of God. Humanity who fell short of the glory of God in Eden has been redeemed and restored to their eternal calling. Jesus' prayer in John 17 is finally answered. And I'm gonna close with the words of what Jesus said. I'm gonna call the worship team to come up at this time. Jesus said these prayers about his people about his disciples, about his friends. He said, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. I mean, isn't that the excitement about the anticipation of the bride and groom that they could be together? I did marriage counseling with a couple and they said, we're just so glad that we're just gonna be together all the time now. But he says, you gave me that they may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus, with the cross set before him, 
was always team bride. He loved her. Before she was formalized, before she became what we understand as the church, the believers, the ecclesia, he loved her and called her by name. I don't know what your feelings are about Jesus in this stage that you are in your journey of faith. But I encourage you to trust the groomsmen. Trust the one who loved you and saw you from the foundations of the earth and knew you were worth dying for. Man, that's a powerful image. And he would come and he would give his life in a cruel and gruesome death on a cross to take on all the sins that would separate you from God so that you didn't have to bear that weight anymore. And then to show you that he was really worth investing in. He was really worth being inspired by. That he was really worth laying down your own life so that you could follow him. He then conquered death and the grave and rose again so that you wouldn't spend one moment in eternity without him. That's how much he loved you personally. If you're not on Team Jesus right now, I would encourage you today to not leave this place until you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't know what your tomorrow will be, but he already has called you by name, so respond to him. Receive his love and forgiveness today. It'll be the best decision you ever made. And we're here to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you after service. I want to speak to you who have already are on Team Groom. Can't be on Team Groom without being on Team Bride. Hate to break it to you. I mean, it's not going to stop you from getting into heaven if that's what you're worried about. But it will stop you from enjoying the feasting. It'll stop you from enjoying being with others. It'll stop you from growing and being encouraged in your faith to understand the groom better. It'll, it'll prevent you from going the distance in your walk with God. I know she's not flawless. Sometimes she might just get on your nerves just a little. But she's his bride. And he loves her so deeply. Embrace the bride of Christ. Be the bride of Christ. It takes all of us. It's this amazing picture. It takes all of us to show her true beauty. Would you stand with me as we're going to close our service in prayer? Pastor Bobby's going to lead us in a song. But I'm going to pray a prayer over you today as one who has always loved the bride of Christ this is a local expression of that at Calvary and I want you to know that each and every week I've been here I continue to love you more and more as God reveals how beautiful you truly are you're good people you have a heart for your community a heart for one another 
wear the sash proudly. Not with pride, but in honor of the sacrifice that was made so that you could be a part of this body. The sacrifice made by Jesus so that you could be called a follower of Christ. And work in a way that would make you ready. Function in a way that would make you ready. Love in a way that would make you seem ready that his return would come at any moment. Because one day, will be connected together with all the other expressions of the bride of Christ. And it will be a wedding feast like you will have never, ever imagined. And then we will truly be able to see the beauty of how he sees us. Be like a veil lifted from our eyes. And we will see the love that radiates not just from him to us, but to one another as we realize this commonality that we are one in Christ, we are called and redeemed, and a price was paid so that we could be in relationship with him. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this body of believers. Thank you for those who even today are making a choice to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, would you give them the courage just to say yes today to Jesus and allow him to change their perspective even about the body of Christ and the local church. Lord, would you bring healing where healing needs to come to those who have been burned by the bride, who have been disappointed by the bride, those who are, are still struggling to understand what's so amazing about being one church. God, I pray that you would bless the journey that we are on. I pray as a church family, you would sanctify us, purify us, prepare us and help our hearts to be ready for your return. And Lord, in doing so, would you bring others to the understanding of who Jesus is? Would you invite others and help us to invite others to be a part of the family of God? And Jesus, as we do that, Lord, May we be continuously aware of the sacrifice that was made, of the love that we've freely received. And in freely receiving it, we would freely give it to one another and to those who are watching, those who are interested, those who are curious, God, about the kingdom. May they know us by our love. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Pastor Bobby, why don't you lead us? We're going to, you're officially dismissed, but if you can stay in worship, then please do. We pray you have a wonderful week. We pray that God will continue to inspire you and provide for you and comfort you and encourage you. But may you be an encouragement to one another even as you go from this place. God bless you.